0: Please stand for the call to worship. Now is the time to awaken to the presence of God, the eternal spirit. Today we open ourselves to the power of the spirit in our lives. We do all this because we have responded to the ministry and message of Jesus Christ, whose people we are. may be seated. Good morning. Welcome to Southside Baptist Church. It's good to see you. It's good to see family, friends, and visitors here with us this morning. Southside Baptist Church is building an inclusive community of grace here in Birmingham and beyond, and I hope this morning that you have felt the presence and the love of Christ here in this place. Two things I'm going to ask you this morning as we begin to worship and to gather together. One is to look around you and to see who's missing, who's not here, Hold them in your heart today. The second thing is to stop and experience the presence of Christ in this place. Rest with that presence as we enter this time of worship together. Let us pray. Our gracious God, it is truly an honor and a privilege to be in this house. To rest in your presence, to know that we are loved, to know that we are cared for, And beyond everything else, know that everything that we have done wrong, all the mistakes that we have made, all the things that we regret are covered over by your endless and boundless grace. As we enter this time of worship, may we forget all the things and all the worries that we hold within our hearts and instead replace them with these gifts of love and of grace and forgiveness. Be with us now, and may we direct our hearts to you, our loving God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
1: Our first reading is from Psalm 146. It's on page 622 in your pew Bible. You read along with me. Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations, praise the Lord.
2: Our second reading today, the gospel reading found in Luke 7:11 through17. This passage follows the one we looked at last week of the centurion and Jesus healing his slave. Today we look at another miracle: Jesus raising the widow's son. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bar. They were carrying him on, and the bearer stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. This is the word of the Lord.
3: Hey, guys. How are y'all doing? Good. You like it? Like being out of school? Miss your friends? Yeah. I know the feeling, too. Okay. All right. You know, when I was little, and also when I was teaching first grade in school, one of my favorite authors was Dr. Seuss. You ever heard of him? You know, all those good stories and everything. Well, even though Dr. Seuss makes up silly words, silly characters, and silly places, he uses his stories to either teach a lesson or send a message. You think so? Have you ever read some of his things? Yeah, I bet everybody has. Do you like Dr. Seuss? Maybe. <laughs> okay, one of my favorite stories, and you probably have heard this before is Horton Here's the Who. Have you ever seen this? I think they've made a movie now. And This is Horton. He'll be okay.
2: This is Horton.
3: You want to hold Horton while we tell the story? He is soft, isn't he? Okay, this is the story about Horton, and he is an elephant. And while he is out one day, he discovers on a little speck of dust... Do you know what he finds? Do you know what he finds? Have you heard the story? Want to tell me? No. He finds a, a whole, whole city of little teeny tiny people, and they're called whos. and they're so small that nobody can see them, but Horton can hear them, and he knows that they're there. Well, he tries to tell his friends about the Hoos. They don't believe him. In fact, they want to try to hurt the little Hoos, but Horton knows that they're important, and that he has to protect them. And what he tells us in this story over and over is a person's a person no matter how small. And that was the who's, right? Couldn't even see them. They were so tiny. And he protected them, even though some people were trying to hurt him. So at the end of the book, you know, he, he saves them, and everything is okay. But he's Dr. Seuss is telling us a lesson and sending us a message now, when we look in the Bible, we, the Bible tells us a lot of stories about Jesus. And through Jesus' words and through his stories that he told, he is giving us a message too. The Bible is full of stories about things that Jesus did. In Mark, Jesus heals a paralyzed man. Paralyzed means he can't move, and Jesus heals him. In Matthew, Jesus took a blind man and gave him sight, so now he could see again. That was pretty amazing, wasn't it? He did all these things. Sometimes when you're back in Jesus' day, when you were sick, people didn't even want to be around you. So, But Jesus ignored that, and he helped these people. In Matthew, Jesus feeds 5,000 people who were hungry. Now, Some people would have just ignored them and let them go hungry, but Jesus fed them. In Luke, Jesus told the story of a Samaritan man who helped uh, a Jewish man who was sick and hurt. And, you know, back in Jesus' time, the Samaritans... And the Jews didn't even talk to each other. So, but Jesus was showing that these people are important, and Jesus had compassion. You ever heard that word before? Compassion. Do you know what that means? Compassion. You want to not sure. It means wanting to help someone who's in trouble. Just like Horton wanted to help the little who's, Jesus wants to show compassion to these people. Jesus also sat down and talked to and ate with sinners and tax collectors, and these were people that nobody wanted to be around at all, but Jesus saw that they were important. Jesus helped heal a man who had leprosy. Have you ever heard of leprosy? Ever heard of leprosy? Oh, that was a terrible disease, and nobody would even come near a person with leprosy. But Jesus healed him and made him well. Jesus even told his disciples and the people around him that little children could come to him. Some people thought little children shouldn't be bothering Jesus, but Jesus said little children are important no matter how small. And in all these stories in the Bible, Jesus is talking about helping other people and showing compassion, feeding hungry people, giving water, giving clothes, visiting people who are sick and in the hospital— He's telling us that we're supposed to love other people like he has loved us. And in fact, what I think Jesus' message was is a person is important no matter what. Let's say a prayer, okay? Can we pray? Dear God, thank you so much for letting us be here in church on this beautiful day. We thank you for loving us no matter who we are and no matter what. Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Thank you, Bonnie, and all those who've helped in worship this morning and leadership. And I think Bonnie's probably going to spoil the children to, um, to uh, those nice stories like that. So we'll have some other volunteers that would like to come forward to help with teaching those, those uh, children's lessons next week and the weeks following. As we um, come to, together before God, we come with uh, an eagerness to share the thoughts that are deep within our hearts and minds, those things that are weighing heavy upon us, the concerns that we have for one another. May we bow together as we come before God. Eternal God, you've created each of us. You've created every living thing that is. And you breathe life into us and you sustain us each day. For all those things we give you, thanks. We thank you that you hear our prayers even now. We thank you for your unwavering ways, for your constant and abiding care. And we do thank you that you are concerned about all facets of our life, even the small things. We thank you loving Lord that you're patient with us as we learn slowly, that you guide us and nurture us along the way. We thank you for your mercy and grace We thank you that you are here now and that you are here to offer care and comfort, both now as we struggle with our own problems we may be facing, those issues that weigh heavy upon us. We know that you are with us. We thank you, Lord, that we can intercede and pray for those who are facing difficult decisions for those who are grieving over the loss of a loved one, for those in the middle of a relationship that is falling apart, for those who are facing a frightening and unsettling future. We pray also for those who are numb to the movement of your spirit upon their heart. And we pray, O oh God, that even now you would renew within us a right spirit. Give us the faith and courage to listen May we hear you as we have been encouraged to be still and hear your voice. Speak to us today, O Lord. Teach us your ways. We ask that we would have the energy and the courage and the strength and the stamina to follow you as you have called us to do. We ask, O Lord, that you would hear our prayer as we, your children, pray Each week we are blessed by the choir and the leadership of Sarah and Dr. Banks. We thank you for that, and it always sets the uh, tone, having that music to uh, lift our spirits, to make us sense the, the presence of God even more. You know, when Rusty was giving his greeting this morning, I was reminded of all of the many times I have been into this place, this place de- designed dedicated and used for worship for these uh, 107 years or so. And as I think about it, I know that there is a great beauty here, but as I look out and I see the faces of many people that I have not seen in a while, some that are back after being out for some time, and some who have been away for a while, and I'm reminded that that is, that is what church is all about. That is what our spiritual family or community is all about. It is to be able to see and to recognize the presence of God and those that we share life with day in and day out. Yes, it makes it even more special when we're here, for we have so many memories of things that have gone on here in the way that we have worshipped and shared our lives together. With all of those many blessings that we we receive the ways that our lives have been blessed and our spirits lifted on many occasions there are also those times when we face difficulties and hardships there's not a person here not one who has not faced grief and sorrow who has not feared something who has not found themselves with great anxiety over some issue in life not one there are times when we find ourselves just reeling from what we've experienced. We are, it's, it's like one of those shots to the, to the stomach where our breath goes out and we're gone, we have no strength. We search for a ray of hope and we can't find it anywhere because all around us is darkness. A darkness that's heavy and it tends to want to crush us, squeezing the vitality out of our very being. Now I know that's the case because many of you I have talked with, and we've all faced it. Just last night I received an email from someone who was a former member here. She a widow, and her eldest son passed away this past week. It caused me to think even more intently on this passage that we're speaking about today, or we're looking at today, This account from Luke 7 about Jesus and the widow of Nain and Jesus raising her son from the dead. The account recorded that I read earlier, uh, as Luke describes it, is a situation that is really dire for for this mother, for this widow. Jesus had just left Capernaum. Remember we had talked about that last week. He had been teaching the Sermon on the Plain. Just prior to that, and he comes into Capernaum, and there he heals the slave of the centurion. Scripture said that soon after, he goes to Nain, a small little town about 20 miles southwest of Capernaum and about 5 miles southeast of Nazareth. So it was pretty close by. And he goes there with his disciples, and he carries along with him those who would follow. There are many that are following. A great crowd is going with him. But as they began to enter the city, they meet a funeral procession coming out. It is as though there were these two totally and diametrically opposed events taking place. Jesus, the giver of life, the one that is the source of hope, the one who brings reconciliation, meeting death head on. As the account tells us, the deceased person is the only son of his mother, who is a widow, and there was also a crowd of mourners that were accompanying her. And so there's a a fairly large group that's also coming out of the city at the same time. The scripture tells us that Jesus has compassion for her, because she was in a terrible situation. It was a difficult situation for anyone, but especially the fact that she was a widow with no um, male son to be able to take care of her. It was a different day, certainly. She needed someone to provide some of the things she needed. She needed someone to be there. It was a dire situation. The truth is also that because of the burial laws, she had to bury him that very day. She couldn't wait to a few days and have a little bit of of respite from all the grief. It was raw. Just a few hours earlier, her son had passed away, and now she is carrying him out of the city for burial. She's wrapped in a fog of despair, looking around her and questions flooding her mind. Questions like, what will happen to me? How can I survive? The pain and sorrow was overwhelming, but she plods on doing those things she has to do to take care of the matters at hand, to bury her son and then to go back to her process of grieving and to find some way to get through life. Well, we know what happens in this case, that when Jesus saw her, his heart went out to her. He had compassion for her. And the actual word translated from the Greek into English is a word that carries with it a sense of greater than just, I feel sorry for her. It is a gut-wrenching kind of compassion. When we feel that for someone else, when our heart is heavy, when our spirit feels as though it's going to break for them because you see the anguish that they're living with are in. And so Jesus saw that, and in that moment, he sees that and he responds to her stopping the funeral procession. He stops it and speaks to the son and tells him to get up. News of this began to spread quickly because here was one who was raised from the dead. In the vernacular of our day, he would be trending on every social media outlet, every one, because it would be a popular thing to know and find out where Jesus was going to be next. People wanted to see these things. They wanted to experience the the miraculous, to see the wonders that Jesus was, was doing. And the scripture says that they were both fearful, amazed, perhaps, but they said that they had seen a great prophet appear before them and that God had come to help his people. They witnessed God coming to help his people. When we read that and we understand what they are saying is they have witnessed God reaching down and intervening in a very tough situation. Now the son that was raised he still had to face death at some time he was not going to be free of that but yet he was given an extension on his life on earth and his mom which is the primary focus of this is the one who is cared for Jesus has compassion for her he wants to help her he sees her as vulnerable he sees her as being one of those that is pushed to the sideline He sees her as one of those who cannot fend for herself, and he tries to help her by raising the son. Now, news of all of this certainly would have been popular for everyone to hear. It was a miraculous event, but you know, it's not that much different than the miracles that he had been performing over in, in Galilee, in Capernaum, and as he taught on the Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Plain the Beatitudes, we know that he had taught and conveyed to those there the truth of the gospel, the truth of what he meant, and that was to love one another as God has loved us. The miracle for the widow was that it was a gift from God because of the love that Jesus had in his heart, the compassion he had to reach out and to help her in this Brokenness that she faced. Now, sometimes we could say, well, you know, if we look at that and we say, well, why then does Jesus not heal everybody? Why does he not raise everyone from the dead? Why does he not intervene in my problem? Why does he not take care of that concern that I have for someone over there? Well, truth be known, I think it's that this is not a name and claim it kind of theology that Jesus was about. He was not saying that anyone who just calls upon me, or even those who don't, because remember, she didn't speak to him. She didn't even know he was there. And his heart was moved, and he raised the son. It is indicative of the, the depth of passion and compassion that Jesus had for this widow And it is also indicative of the same kind of compassion he has for you. It doesn't mean that all of those things that we pray for are going to happen just as we think they will, or we would like for them to, but in the process there is a change that comes about in us. An understanding that is greater than just what we thought it should be. An ability to see and to understand that Jesus is teaching us to walk and follow after him. Remember what he said over in the Beatitudes when he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. He didn't say they would be healed, he didn't say that they would be made whole physically. But what he did say is, There is one there that will bring comfort. There's one that will be there to walk beside you. There's one there that will uphold you. There's one there that will teach you and guide you each day. You know, we can look back on our own lives, and as I mentioned earlier, the different people I see here that have found their way here to worship on this Sunday. You know, this same group will probably never be assembled again. Everybody that's here will probably never be here again at the same time. But for these few moments, we are united because we are brothers and sisters in Christ as believers. And because of that, there's a unique bond that we share. One that understands the difficulties of life, but also one that understands that there is a way to bring comfort to those that we love and care for and that God desires us to be engaged in that process. We can't do everything, but we can do something and it can be this kindest it can be the simplest kind of of kind deed for someone, but it will make a difference. when Bonnie was teaching the children here and I heard her talk about all the different miracles that were done and also the fact that Jesus had healed someone from leprosy, I was reminded of the saint Father Damien. Many of you have probably read or know of him, but he actually served in, in uh, Hawaii from 1873 to 1889. And while he was there, he was assigned to a particular island where there was a leprosy colony, a leprosy colony. And for those years, 16 years, he went there and he gave physical care. He did everything you can imagine. He lived among them. He cared for them. He worshipped with them. He led the children's choir. He played ball with them. He did all the things that you would think someone would in any other community. Because of his service, he eventually contracted leprosy, and he died there on the island. And there is a a great um, monument to to him that was erected because of his selfless love, his desire to see those who were the least of these, even in the 19th century, those least of those who were pushed aside and forced to live among themselves with no real monetary support to speak of. But in the end, they felt the compassion of God because this one came and planted himself among them. He lived it. It's called incarnational, the incarnational Christian life. It is Christ within us, that helps us to see. It is Christ within us that helps us to do. When we relate uh, to the people around us or we interact with those that we see day in and day out, there are many that are marginalized and many that are on the fringes, the outcast. There are those that we are fearful of. There are those that we just don't want to be around. And what God says to us is, you have to be open to where I will send you, to those I bring across your path to allow you to know and experience the full grace of God. In just a moment we're going to come and we're going to receive communion and as we share that, that is even a greater, in a greater sense, the the bond that we share as brothers and sisters. We're united because Christ is here with us. We're united because we have been redeemed and made a part of his fellowship, his family of faith. We've been made children of God. And so therefore we come to receive this, not as just you before me receiving communion, or before God receiving it, but rather you before all others that are here receiving it together. The compassion that Jesus had for this widow of Nain was compassion that caused him to extend himself and interrupt a funeral to bless her, to take care of her. Sometimes we may be called to do the unusual, to do that which we may be ridiculed for, but as long as it's motivated by the compassion that is placed there by God, we can trust that it's always best to err on that side of God's love and mercy and grace. Would you bow with me in prayer, please? Oh, Lord, for all of your many blessings, we thank you for your love that knows no end, for your grace that we can't even describe, for your mercy that we don't deserve. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that we can come together as family and receive this communion to share together from a table that you have prepared. May we respond, Lord, and may we sense your presence even as we partake today. In Christ's name, amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread to share with his disciples and he broke it and told them that this was his body. It's broken for them. And he also took the cup and he said, This is the new covenant in my blood. That we are to eat this and to drink this when we're together, when we're joined together as family, as community, that this symbolizes that we not only belong to each other, but we belong to Christ. Today as we come, we come asking God's blessings on these elements. O Lord, bless these, the bread and the cup. May we receive them and may we experience your presence now. May we understand the depth of love and sacrifice that you have for us for all people, for your, for your created world. May we receive it knowing that you do bring peace that passes all understanding. In your name I pray, amen. I'm going to ask our deacon chair and vice chair, Rusty Bennett and Warren Kenney to come forward, and we're going to serve the choir first, and then after that, you may come forward and receive from one of us here. have opportunity to respond to Christ's presence, not what is said or what is done, but as Christ speaks to you to respond in whatever way it might be, whether through prayer, through uniting with this church, through a sense of calling, then you come forward and I will receive you here and we will pray together or we will accept you into this church family as a part of this community of faith. Stand, please, as we sing our hymn of response, number 66, My Shepherd Will Supply My Need.
0: us pray dear lord we thank you for our very many blessings we thank you for our family our friends this church but mostly dear lord we thank you for the love that you have shown us by giving your son and the message of love and forgiveness available through him dear lord we ask that you Bless our offerings as we give back a portion of what we have given to you and pray that it will be used to further thy kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray.
2: If we prepare to go out into the world today, I want to mention a couple of things to you. One, uh, if you can join us on Wednesday night for a time of discussion, we had a good discussion this past week, and we look forward to that as we talk about church and community this week. Certainly a good follow-up to, to this uh, message today and the reading on from Luke 7. But then also on Thursday, we have a contemplative service. You can come and find a place there to, to rest for your day's activities, to clear your mind, and to rest in the presence of God. Also, want to call to your attention the flowers, the beautiful flowers that are here uh, in front of the pulpit. These flowers were given in memory of Jewel Lewis, given by her family. We had a lovely service yesterday to remember her and to celebrate her life, and uh, she indeed, indeed was a Jewel, as we mentioned yesterday. We will miss her, but we also um, know that she is, she is with the Lord, and we can, we can uh, trust in that. As we uh, prepare to go out and receive the benediction, take time to speak to one another by passing the peace of Christ, please. Just turn to those close to you and say, may the peace of Christ be with you. And now may the love of God the Father The grace of Christ our Savior and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you now and forevermore.